Spend more time in the outdoors and you'll find that everything in life gets better. Yeah, I, I greatly enjoyed this. is one of my funnest podcasts I've ever been part of. No more dreaming, no more wishing. Wave goodbye. I'm gone fishing. Welcome to the Canadian Fishing Podcast. Previously known as the Made for Memories Podcast. Where we explore the sport and business of fishing in Canada. And the memories made in the great outdoors. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Fishing Podcast. Woo! Hi, episode Rad. four? Well, I'm still counting original episodes because they, oh. were a lot of, they were a lot of work, even though we're in, under a new name. I think it's episode 23 or 20, 23, I think. Well, and they were not only a lot of work, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good guests on those prior ones. Totally are. Yeah. And, you know, as much as we're, you know, trying to talk a little bit more about fishing and less about business, as we've said yeah. in the past, yeah. Um, yeah. we did talk about fishing a lot on those podcasts too. So you should go back and you should check them out and you should like and subscribe or do all of those podcasty things and help us comment. out on this journey. Comment. Comment. Yeah. Share. Sharing's good. Share is a thing. Is yeah. yeah. Or providing constructive feedback. Or, or, or guest recommendations. I'm really excited about today's guest. But before we get into that, I just wanted to say I really like your hat. Oh, yeah. Catching deers. Catching deers. You should tell people the story behind the catching deers hat. Uh, well, uh, I wear it in November because two, well, this will be three years ago now. I went on my first hunting experience. And I told all my friends at the Lacombe Fishing Game meeting that I was going to go try to catch a deer. And everybody who's most of them are hunters. So they all thought that was pretty funny slash ridiculous for me to even use those terms together. And I said, well, I'm, a, I'm an angler. I got to catch a deer. And you don't catch deer, Brad. You kill deer. Or you okay. harvest deer. Harvest deer or kill deer. You don't catch deer. There's no catch and release. Fair enough. So anyways, they got me this hat at last year's meeting, Catching Deer. I thought it was very thoughtful. So it was very thoughtful. Hopefully it's my good luck hat because I got the hat. Did I get the hat before or after? It doesn't matter. I haven't caught a deer yet. So hopefully I'm going to catch a deer next week. Mm, you have a moose tag. I have a moose tag. Yeah. Yeah. Which I've been told when you have a moose tag is when you don't see moose. But oh. uh, I don't know. With your we'll luck, see. that's... a thousand percent what's gonna happen you've had terrible luck lately yeah a lot of little unlucky things nothing major but mini on the positive breaking. yeah little mini car break winter tires or toast yeah and check engine light on and yeah just the just a bunch of little life things stuff little life stuff in the last but anyway so maybe my luck's about to turn around and i'll harvest a nice moose next week at the very least i think we're gonna get lucky today because i'm very excited about our guest yeah i i don't know this guest so this is this is good to we're it's gonna be a very learning conversation for all of us so well and i don't know this guest really either so i heard about christine um I think just through Instagram is how I came across her. So um, without further ado, let's tell you a little bit more about our guest and we'll get her on. Sounds good. 
Today, we welcome Christine Lapierre. Christine is a fishing therapist for first responders in Eastern Ontario. She is a registered nurse with expertise in mental health who is currently working in the provincial jail system. She now runs a program called Mindful Fishing in Ontario. The program takes first responders suffering from PTSD and other mental health issues out on the water to connect with nature. She was once quoted saying, I've had more reward doing this for first responders than I've had in my whole career as a nurse. And that's pretty big. Please welcome Christine. Hi, Christine. Christine. Hi, Brad. Hi, Tess. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. We, 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 uh, this is a good one for me because, um, I don't know if you know this, Christine, but I, we've rebranded the podcast about, about, uh, four episodes ago or three episodes ago, four. And I asked the executive producer, my sister, Jess. That's me to find a person every two weeks that would be interesting to talk to outside of our comfort zone in terms of like somebody maybe we didn't know about or some cool program somewhere, someplace, something. And look at this. She booked the appointment and in the, in my <laughs> schedule it. and there's a Christine Lapierre and I didn't know who that was. And it was, this is fantastic. So good job, executive yeah. producer. Why? Thank you, Bradley. <laughs> But even better job, Christine Lapierre, because uh, you uh, you've you've done some pretty neat stuff. So tell us tell us a little bit about who you are and and uh, and and the mindful fishing uh, program that you run. Hey, I uh, no thanks for finding me, Jess, because I I kind of try to stay low key um, for a reason, and that's because I find the more I I make this open and the more I put the word out, the busier we're getting. Um, and sometimes that's, you know, it's it's about finding that balance. And But I'm so happy to talk about this program. And it's been strictly uh, mostly in Ontario, Eastern Ontario region, um, mostly where I've worked. I'm from the Kingston area. So we're so fortunate out here because we have the Rideau Lake system and the St. Lawrence River and the Great Lakes and access to a lot of water, um, which I grew up around. But I never really found the therapeutic value in it until I was later diagnosed with PTSD working in the federal penitentiary system um, as a crisis negotiator. So yeah, I saw some stuff. Um, unfortunately, it resulted in an injury, which I refer to as a post-traumatic stress injury, not um, so much, you know, there's PTSD and there's a lot of terms around it, but I do really can pinpoint my injury to a specific time and detail and events. Um, so then it uh, came time for some healing and therapy and medications and um, even transcranial magnetic stimuli where I had my brain, my frontal lobe um, shocked for every day for five weeks. I, I really delved into getting better because PDS, that injury was, it was really awful. Um, so in the, my, in my healing process, I knew that mindfulness and being present in the moment and giving your brain that opportunity to just be still and be was really important. So I had to find something and some people, you know, it's music, it's art, it's, um, it can be anything, any sort of passion, but uh, it was when a friend of mine finally invited me out fishing and I was sitting out there on the water and I uh, gave me a wacky worm and I, I fished as a kid with my dad and I had great memories growing up and fishing. Um, um, but that was the first time I was like, wow, okay, this is, this is kind of nice. And then I joined Ontario Women Anglers, which uh, is a great organization that we're very fortunate to have in this area. And they had a, a nice fishing event for women. So it was a super non-confrontational way to to kind of delve into the social aspect of fishing and put myself out there so I wasn't just learning from one person but from a group of people um 
yeah, and it was that uh, January 2019, sitting out on the ice, just looking at my fish finder, you know, doing the video game thing, and 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 my mind stopped. It just stopped for eight hours, and that had never happened before. So I knew right there there was some magic to it. Um, and being the mental health clinician I am, I wanted to understand why that was so great and why that relieved my brain in the way that it did. So then um, after that, I delved into into fishing. Um, in that moment, you're fishing. It's about being present and engaged in that activity. And and of course, at that time, you have all your senses being fulfilled and smells and sights and sounds of nature. They're all healing. You feed that reward center of your brain. Um, I was like, this is the best therapy there is. And yes, I've been a mental health nurse for 21 years, and this is the best <laughs> therapy there is. Uh, so I wanted to share it with others. And that's, yeah, that's where it's gone. I, I want to find out more about the program and, you know, yeah. who you take out and how many anglers you take out. But before we do, can you tell us a little bit more about the science or if there is science behind, I mean, there's lots of science behind mindfulness, but about yeah. fishing mm-hmm. in particular, like, has that been researched at all or can you tell it's, us a little um, bit more about so that? So it's, it's starting to, so I know, I know the, uh, the veterans in the military, they're really great at doing research and, and investing money. And so they have done some studies. Um, of course, they don't really share that information with people, but I know in the U S they did a, they did a study where um, they checked the cortisol levels in, in military um, veterans, blood work and so that's that stress hormone we have they took them out fishing on a weekend trout excursion into the back country um, and then they checked their blood work after that and the cortisol levels were drastically reduced and they were still reduced six months later so it showed that it had a long-term effect um, so now veterans you know military our members they have free fishing license I know that's because they know the value of it um, of course I don't have the proof for that but in the UK as well there's just a study released that they are now prescribing fishing as a therapy, they're recognizing it as um, a form of mental wellness. So in the UK specifically, they're starting to prescribe it. Medical doctors are. Um, we're up in this area. I found more people have written opinion pieces or blogs about it and what it's done for them. And and we all know that fishing makes us feel better, but we don't really know how or why. So um, I did look more into, um, you know, what causes the injury when you have a post-traumatic stress um, stressful event, what parts of the brain are impacted. Um, and interestingly enough, it was, you know, your frontal lobe that is, um, that processes memories. And, and if we sleep well, and we do the right things in mindfulness, those memories get processed in the back of our brain and in our long term memory, and then we're able to process trauma better. Um, our adrenal gland, that reward center, those dopamine bursts, that that's impacted by PTSD. But of course, with fishing, it's very easy to feed your reward center. And, um, you know, Ontario has that master angler program. I know Manitoba does. I'm not sure about Alberta, but, um, you know, like I measure these fish and multi-species and then I get a pin at the end of the year. Um, it's something tactile and it's, and it's real. And I get that pin and it's like that reward for my accomplishments and catching fish of a certain size. Um, yeah. So it's feeding that. And then your hippocampus, your memory and, and how that is processing stuff that's all related to your adrenal glands and, and processing memory, that reward center, um, and just being present so that you can turn those traumatic events into more just long-term back um, faded memories. You know, I can talk about my traumas now matter-of-factly because I've processed them and they're 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 not at the forefront of my brain and my frontal lobe where it's causing intrusive thoughts and, and bad memories. Um, so there's something there to be said for that. And um, 
Yeah, you know, at the beginning of COVID, I had been in discussions with the psychology department at Queen's University here and hoping to do uh, a master's study, a program directly um, related to fishing and therapy. Wow. Um, of course, COVID hit and that was that was horrendous. But ultimately, what the, the goal would be is um, in Ontario, if you have your handicap sticker, your disability um, sticker, you can fish for free. That's your license. You don't need to buy a fishing license for that. Um, but what about the invisible injury? What about the invisible disabilities, um, like, you know, mental health disorders and being able to have those people also have access to free fishing licenses? And um, yeah, so there's a lot there's a lot of room to grow with it. And I think it's uh, it's worth trying to, you know, get those numbers and get that data that will then get people to buy into it. You know, it's it's interesting that you uh, that, that you're able to bring in the science because um <laughs> something that you said triggered a memory of of uh of of our company so len len thompson wrote a letter um it's letter format in 1956 i think jess and it's like a five page letter and one of the reasons he got into fishing more and got into building lures is because when he got back from that scrap in europe AKA World War One. He called it this in in his term. He called it a scrap. Um, he said he spent he 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 spent the time. Uh, he he really felt value spending time fishing and forgetting. I remember that that wording fishing oh, and forgetting. That. And that was in nineteen. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that was in nineteen fifty six. I got something. goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. But it's just it's cool that it's cool that people are bringing some science into it now. And 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 this has maybe yeah. been known for, you know, decades. But let's, you know, how like how do we harness? So I guess so I guess my my question is, how do we harness this industry or because mental health is so acutely aware nowadays as compared to the 50s where, you know, it was maybe just shrug it off. But how do you how do you harness how do you harness this science and turn it into a program that can spread a little bit more. I, that's so cool that England is prescribing, uh, mm -hmm. you know, fishing as a as a med medication. So how do we how do we continue to harness this as a as a as an actual um, beneficial uh, thing to your dopamine yeah. cortisol levels? And, that, and that's where that's where I I would love to have the time. You know, so much of um. This program is still pretty new and a lot of it is spent taking people out or just even trying to persuade people that fishing is therapeutic. Um, like I, I I can't believe how much time I have to spend just trying to justify that spending time out in nature on the water is good for you. Um, but I think education, there's also a really interesting book by Wallace J. Nichols. It's called Blue Mind. Um, and he's starting a movement where um he's he's identified the science behind how water is therapy not so much fishing but water so he's an ex um u.s navy seal and he this book is all about the science so i bring a lot of that into my education pieces um in canada right now a lot of people don't know that doctors can prescribe um time at national parks for mental wellness and that your pass then is free if you go to a national park prescribed by your doctor so I, you know, and, and I don't think it would be a huge stretch to, you know, to see how doctors could prescribe fishing as therapy. Um, but where's the benefit and how do you get people, you know, a lot of it is um, there's the tackle share program in Ontario where every provincial park has rods there and people can go sign them out, use them for the day. 
uh, bring them back. It, you know, there, there's programs out there, but I think it's just, it's going to require more education and appreciation for it. And I'm in a really weird kind of position where it's, I've, I've personally have experienced a therapeutic benefit. I understand the science behind it. And I'm also a registered nurse psychotherapist where I can do the therapy out on the water. Um, if a veteran was to be prescribed nursing services, mental health nursing services, I could charge under Blue Cross to get them out on the water um, and use my psychotherapy fees. So, you know, do we do we have a lot of clinicians out there that want to to do this as well? Like it, it's, a, you know, I, I want to see it happen. And I've talked to a few people that, hey, if you fish anyway and you're a social worker, why not just try and do your therapy sessions out there? Hmm. Um, and I have heard of it actually happening in children's mental health programs where some of the therapists, counselors will bring children to the the waterway and sit there. And because there's so many benefits to having that therapy there where you're beside each other. It's not really confrontational. It's comfortable, um, especially the ice when it's quiet and you're next. You're just sitting next. You're not staring at each other. Um, you know, you can either be fishing or you can talk. It, the pace of it goes pretty well. It's um, it's just trying to get people out there. And once you get them out there, they're convinced. There's no, they don't need any convincing after that. It's just that one time. Um, so I think just a lot of education and talk about it and awareness. So is that how you have um, started to build your program personally? Is just word of mouth? Like usually are you taking out people who are not experienced anglers? Yeah, for the most part, it's it's anywhere. It's even uh, people at different levels of their illness. Some people, um, you know, there's a recent, he was a, he's a new OPP officer and started uh, Ontario Provincial Police and started um, during COVID. So, of course, that was a difficult time for any law enforcement or nursing to start their career. Um, but his wife being a mental health nurse, she referred him my way and said, hey, you know, as a preventative measure, he likes the na- he likes nature. I think he would really like to get into fishing. And we live close to water and and so that was it I took him out he's you know so that was educating him all about rods real setup like he knew nothing coming out but it was great to get him early on in his career whereas some people I get later some some are experienced anglers they just want to see kind of what my program is about some of them even want me to go out in their boat just to see like hey this is what I do what do you think um you know some people are hey I can get on in the water but I just need to learn how to trailer my boat so we spend time doing that like anything that gets you out on the water and gets you fishing and into nature I'm going to help you with that um so yeah it's all it's all varying uh word of mouth has kept me busy enough um but yeah once in a while I put the word out there I have an event I have them three times a year so that kind of spreads awareness too and gets people um more yeah more in tune with what what the program's about so tell us about these events yeah so I do I've been doing three starting to do three years so the the winter one we'll be doing our third one this winter and we're really fortunate to have access to a, a private lake that Queen's University owns and they do it for they do research there so they're actually studying um ice fishing effects on bass so last year we were able to target pass through the ice and measure them and and look for the tagged ones and help with some of that research. Um, and they have a pavilion there. They have overnight cabins. Um, and I get lots of volunteers that bring their you know their electronics and their their tents out. And we go ice fishing for the day. So it's open to anybody who's new to it. I I try to encourage families to come to these events too because a big part of our healing as first responders is our family's involvement in their um, you know kind of their commitment to helping us get better too. So family is a big part of it. I always encourage first responders, family members. Um, so the ice fishing one, yeah, that's uh, mostly for panfish. Um, 
and we have the lake to ourselves. So it's super, it's super good and private. And, and, and I think we had 45 people last year. We had 50 the year before. Um, and I like it. Yeah. I like the close knit. Um, and then we have a bass tournament in the fall where I have volunteer bass tournament anglers and they take a first responder out in their boat with them. And we have a four hour catch and release tournament, biggest fish wins and then barbecue after and all food's always a big part of the events too. And that social aspect and, and getting some first responders, getting to know anglers, and then they make connections that carry on outside of my program. Cause that's ultimately the goal is to have people taking first responders fishing, whether it's me or not. Um, I still just like to see that magic happen. Yeah. And then we have a panfish one in the spring that, yeah, it's just because panfish is my thing. I think it's, uh, it's good for people to see what it's all about. And in the spring they're spawning, they're pretty, you know, it's, um, yeah. So then we do that in the spring and that's just a barbecue and stuff too. Well, the nice thing about panfish too, is you can often catch a whole bunch of them in a short period of time. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. we're, you're very lucky in Ontario. We don't, we have some perch <laughs> here, but we, it's not, they're very few and far between and, and, uh, and we don't have any sort of blue bluegill or crappie to, yeah. to 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 go in between. So you're very fortunate there. No. Um, what? So you have the three main events, your flagship events, and then how many one-on-one sessions do you do as well? Like, or do you do those kind this, of more on an ind- like like you know like the person or how does how do the one-on-one sessions work? Yeah, no, it's um no, it's on a individual basis. This year, I got to take out. Oh, I have the numbers, but it was 15 new people to me, which was, which is great. It was, um, no paramedic, uh, a couple firefighters, um, a lot of firefighters this year, actually, I've had more than usual, but a couple of new veterans to me and like slowly the word trickles out. And, um, this year it was great for meeting new people though. And I pretty much had all new people at, um, at our bass tournament. And there's a lot of people who want to come back all the time, you know, but it's, I, I try to get people, um, you know, kind of set on their own path and their own healing journey and give them the, you know, the tools they need in the beginning. And for sure, like, you know, four hour session, it's enough. It doesn't get awkward or long with, you know, drawn out. Um, and some people are afraid to be stuck out in a boat for eight hours and no escape, but it's all, yeah, it's all been just word of mouth recommendations. So you had mentioned that you have volunteers who help out with some of your events, but you know, what's your hope for the program going forward? Do you have other people that are taking out first responders besides yourself or, you know, what's your vision for it? My my hope is that, yes, there's, there's a, a community small, like it's slowly being, um, it's slowly growing, but I would love to have that set of anglers who want to take first responders fishing and, have kind of our, you know, our three events a year um, because planning those events and organizing that is a lot of work in and of itself on top of, you know, working full time and my kid playing rap hockey and um, and taking people out on individual sessions. So my hope is that, yes, that program grows. And because eventually what I'd really like to focus on is just, yeah, identifying the science of it and having it recognized as a form of therapy that can then be prescribed and even funded um, if people are off on workman's uh, compensation, you know, is this something because workers at WSIB will pay for art supplies if that's something that's therapeutic for you. So why can't they pay for a fishing rod? Um, so that's kind of the hope that I could focus on that more. And because in that, if we had more funding and more recognition, then more people are going to get fishing and they won't need me to help them with it. Um, hmm, very cool. So I, I, I'd like to I'd like I'd like to maybe we've been talking a little bit more macro on this call so far 
Can you give us uh, like a, a real life story? You don't have to name names or even, um, uh, you know, specifics, but can you give us kind of a real life um, situation, experience. experience? Yeah, a real life experience where 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 you've seen the the progression or whatnot. It, oh, there's there's been so many, um, you know, but this uh, I I think it's uh this summer when I you know I took out a a coworker who, you know, she just she's gone through stuff and she doesn't talk openly about the stuff that's going on in her home life, but you can see that, you know, she's just more stressed and more irritable at work and and carrying a lot of the weight and, um. Yeah, and I couldn't believe it, but I just kind of put it out there. I was like, "Hey, do you, do you want to go fishing with me?" And um, and to see somebody who was so uptight and just so so tense at the moment, and when she caught a fish, she to visualize the release, the crying, the just the like the tears of joy, and I was like, "This one fish brought you all that relief. Like this is this is crazy." But th those moments happen happen so often, or you know, when I. Uh, it's like somebody wrote me this summer because I was too busy actually and somebody on the uh somebody from the provincial jail system wanted to get her husband who's a, uh, a correctional officer out and I was busy so I found somebody else to take him out fishing and that person the volunteer called me later that day like just again just so emotional and said you know how rewarding that was to take somebody out and to see them catch a fish to see them happy and smiling and becoming different people right in front of your eyes and they were thankful that they had that moment I said that's exactly what it's about that's what I get every time I take somebody out and you know I I've taken people out who sometimes don't even fish like one um gosh she had a whopper plopper on her on her rod and she just had was waving it through the water feeling the vibration of the lure and that was all it was for her and she looks up she goes look at there's otters playing and there's loons calling and and she wasn't even really interested in the fish it was um but you see them become different people and you see them relaxed and to have somebody just feel that for a few moments it's it's the most rewarding thing and and I love that other people are getting to experience that too and this is um kind of well this this is maybe off topic but it's on topic so some a term that I learned just earlier this week was called somatics and I don't know if you're familiar with this term or if it's even, if it's a hippy dippy thing or if it's an actually medical thing, but it's basically about how your emotions get stored in your body. And oh, like psychosomatic S-O-M-A-T-O, yes. Well, you had mentioned the experience of that person crying and just like releasing this emotion. Like, do you think that there could be a connection between those two or am I just stretching? Absolutely, absolutely. I, um, you know, there, there's definitely more research in terms of how fishing reduces your blood pressure, um, heart rate, um, you know, your breathing regulates there. There's a lot of that evidence out there. And, and one thing about me with my trauma, why I didn't, I don't think I recognized it in the beginning is because I was very psychosomatic. I, um, and that's that term where our, our mental illness presents itself physically. So I, you know, I was, I would start sweating suddenly. I, my heart would just start pounding. I would be tense and, and, you know, clenching my jaw. I was grinding my teeth. Um, I was very psychosomatic with my illness and I even pain. I was just, my neck was in pain. My, my body was just in pain. So I found that too. I found that relief when I was fishing. I was like, I've been sitting on this bucket on a frozen lake, <laughs> like you know, and I'm not feeling any pain. Yeah. This is not healthy. 
but yet I'm not in pain. My posture's bad. My net, you know, and I'm lugging stuff and I'm setting up tents and I'm hauling out three sleds behind me out onto the ice. And, um, and, and yeah, you do, you see, you see, you feel the relief and you see the release in people. And it, it is, you just see it and you're like, see, there it is. Like that's, that's, that's it. You know, and it's important to recognize those moments when you feel that release so that you can visualize them later or, you know, like I just love the 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 look of a bobber dropping below the water and that you know that there's something on the other end. Or even just, you know, you're I, I just fish with a simple Helix 5 because again, I like people to, you know, use simple electronics that they can just keep it simple um and cheaper. And just to see your fish come up for your jig, um, the splash before it smashes the top water. Like there's just so much later, right? To visualize and think about and reflect on. Well, that's later. the mindfulness piece. That's being present and actually processing the small things right yeah yeah and then being able to feel that later and visualize you know what it was like to see it but also feel it and hear it and what was you know what was around you at that time and it's there's just so much yeah I have one last question before we should probably move to rapid fire and then I'll ask Brad if he has one last question but um, (laughs) is that an exercise that you you know teach people that you take out that like let's take some of this these experiences and then visualize it later yes some people are really receptive to it it's um I have I do have different conversations with men than women and um one thing you know the women are definitely you know, I, I like the man that sometimes like that fish is really pretty and they take a second to look at it. And I'm like, that's, that's part of it, taking it in, just appreciating how blue the gill plate is on a, on a blue gill or how purple it is. And just taking that second, but um, women are definitely more open to kind of, because sometimes it's, it's, it's a little cheesy at the time or it's a little awkward, but they get it after the fact. Right. And like, I take pictures of crappy tails and like I just they have so many beautiful features that if you just take a second to appreciate it and get the fish back in the water or eat it if that's what you're doing um yeah so they like that whereas men a lot of the conversations I have with men um where I think you know we help a lot is they want to know how to justify to their wife that they need time out on the water how do they say like hey, you know, I know I've been working all week or I've been, you know, busy doing this and that, but I need to go out on the water for a few hours and and practice that self-care and have that that time. So trying to get them to discuss what mindfulness does for them and and getting their family to appreciate how beneficial it is for them to let them go and and take care of themselves, but also to encourage them to do it with their family and invite the wife and kids along or or vice versa. And um yeah, I think that's a great thing about the therapies that it is something you can do as a family or do it individually, um, competitively, however, however you see fit. But um, yeah, the women are definitely more open to some of that. Um, you know, I've I've been out with some men before where I hear the loon callings and I'm like, oh, just stop for a second and listen to the loons. He's like, why? There's fish down there. Like he didn't care at all about the nature stuff. Well, so, I mean, I guess one suggestion for how you can convince your partner um, is you had mentioned a book, yeah. Blue Mind. Maybe that can go into some yes. stockings this year and be like, hey, honey, this is some scientific oh, evidence. So, yeah. Here's a whole book about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's yeah. And it makes sense, right? Water, it's essential for life. We need it to live. Uh, you know, even the sound of water mimicking our mother's womb and just everything about just touching it even thinking about it has therapeutic benefit it's um it's a really great book a thousand yeah. percent I love I love me being beside some water 
beside, not in. Brad doesn't like oh, yeah. being on the water. In. I don't like being in the water. I can be on the water. <laughs> in the water. Yes. You're not a strong swimmer. <laughs> not a strong traumatic, swimmer. Some traumatic experiences as a child oh. involving <clears throat> Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> But you still go to the water. I do. Still... Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not uh, yeah. terrified of it. Babbling Brook is the best. The best water uh, experience in my in my opinion. Brad and I had big... this argument not that long ago about. He's like, I just don't <laughs> see the appeal of the ocean. Yeah, ocean's scary. Super scary. Yeah, I, I I agree with you though. It's I I agree with you. The ocean is it's so vast and. And I, my dad used to do a lot of shore fishing growing up. So I have great memories of going down to Florida. And I remember the tide, you know, the waves would go out and I'd have to run out with the big cage thing and scoop up those hideous sand fleas. Um, and he'd hook them on and throw them out. But when he would hook up to something, you're like, what is it? A shark? Is it a grouper? Is it, no. you know, like it's, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's scary. Bluegills are way better. Bluegills blue aren't going to hurt you. They're not going to Yeah, Bluegills won't get or... me. Yeah. 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 Oh, <laughs> Brad, do you have any more questions for Christine before we go? No, to no, this has been this. We could probably talk about this for hours, but it's uh, very fascinating. It's very, it's very, very interesting topic. And, and the more in-person conversations we've had, because we have, we've, we have some people relatively close to us that, that are, that has some, some trauma from, from, uh, uh, from being first responders. So it's, it's really kind of neat to, to, to see and hear somebody kind of bring some science into it and some professional, like, like uh psychology behind it. So I don't know, like, like I say, we could talk about this for hours, but uh, let's, 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 let's have a, let's have a, let's have a wind up conversation in our rapid fire session. And, and, uh, and maybe we could, we could uh, put this on pause for another day. Well, so um, rapid fire is our segment where if you are not familiar is uh, we give you a list of eight questions and you have 30 seconds yep. per question to answer. So I'm going to hold up my little timer. Um, I, you okay. seem way too like lovely for Brad to yell at you. So I think you're going to get a pass <laughs> if you go over the 30 seconds, but um, let's have some fun with it. <laughs> and uh, I usually go first, but let me give me one moment to just pull up my timer and then we'll get started. Okay. Yep. Question number one, your go-to targeted species, the lure you tie on first and how you fish it in 30 seconds. Go. All right. I, uh, my go-to species, my most loved is crappy for sure. I love to put on a little micro jig, um, the little Northland tackle, Muska jigs with a little microplastic and tons of uh, local bait companies have those available. Question number two, uh, ice fishing or open water and why? Oh, it's tough, but I'm going to say ice fishing. And just because I think it has more of a therapeutic value. Um, the minute you can, you can appreciate winter's blanket and nature's it's, it's nature forcing us to shut down for a bit. It's quiet. There's no motors. There's no weeds. There's less stimulation. It's quiet. It's, it's vast and white and still, and I and the fish taste better too, and they're more fun if you can find them. I ice fishing for therapy for therapy. Oh, I hate winter. I know. <laughs> I'm like, 
oh, I see a snowflake. I'm like, woo. And you know what? I was never like that before. I grew up skiing and skating. Like I did winter stuff. You're in Canada. You have to. But now I love it. Like I crave, I crave the cold. I like when it's minus 40 and my lungs hurt when I breathe. Like I love it. <laughs> her and Sonia could get along real yeah, good. Sonia right? is one of our uh, team members and she teases me all the time because like I have a rule that we're not allowed to say the W word, the S word, or the C word being Christmas. We're not allowed to say Christmas until November. Now it's okay. But anyways, we're going to move on rapid fire. Question number three. Uh, when I had asked you uh, in our email conversations to prep a fishing joke, you had said that you have lots of fishing uh, stories, but not many jokes. So let's tell some of those stories in 30 seconds or less. This one is your most memorable guest. Oh, um, you don't have to name names. That... I know it's what well, my fishing story I'm going to tell. It's my, one of my most memorable from growing up with my dad, if that's okay. Um, it was, it was the first time I hooked into a pike and it was on a spinner bait. I'll never forget it. And we were bass fishing up in Cloyne, Ontario. And anyway, got this big pike to the boat from what I remember as a child. And my dad goes to get it and he loses it at the side of the boat and I was like, oh, what? And he goes, well, if it was Sunday, I would have kept that fish. But I didn't understand that joke for a long, long time. And for a long time, I thought you could only keep pike on Sundays. And that's, and that's growing up thinking your dad always tells you the truth and everything he says is the gospel. But he he screwed up my fish and he lost it at the boat and blamed it on it not being a Sunday. And that's why he couldn't keep the pike. Well, Interesting. So question number four was almost your answer for question number three. So your question number four is what's your personal most memorable fishing memory? And question number three was tell us your most memorable guest. So I'm going to re-ask question number three because you answered question number four incorrectly, yeah, incorrectly right. in the right order. So <laughs> question number three. Tell us your most memorable guest experience. I don't got, I don't know. There's so many. I guess the summer I, you know, it was uh the summer I got the chance to take out Mitch Beatty and Emma Beck, and they're from Thousand Islands Tourism. Um, Mitch Beatty reached out and asked me, said, Hey, my my best friend caught the biggest fish ever this summer, and can I get one? Um, he caught a 28-inch pike and whatever. I said, No, you gotta come on, you gotta see what smallmouth fishing is all about. Um and it was a crazy day because I got to really go off to him in terms of like, oh, there's fish surfacing, throw a top water and it caught. And then I was like, oh, look at the fish boiling, throw a spy bait through there. And it caught them. And the guy was just blown away at how fun bass fishing can be. And he had no idea growing up on the St. Lawrence River. It was awful. <laughs> but but it got exposure and it got to get more of a word out for um for mindful fishing. So I was thankful they came out and tried it. Cool. And like this lake isn't great for pike. I it's like it's not that's not what we're doing. Um. But yeah, he brought his camera woman was pregnant, seven months pregnant. And he didn't tell me that. So yeah, I had to drop the poor girl off on an island to go pee in the bush. <laughs> no, you know what? I, actually, when you were uh, earlier, you were talking about planning your day shorter for that four yeah, hours, yeah. because like eight hours can be too much. And the first yeah. thought I had was when I go fishing with a new person that I don't know very well, I'm always worried about when I'm going to pee. I, it's that's a conversation I just get out of the way right away like because I I 
I've done tournaments with with men, right? And you're in there for eight hours and plus an hour before blast off, an hour sometimes later waiting to weigh in. It's like nature is going to happen today and I'm sorry. Like that's just... And I was law. I was leaning. I, this maybe not for the show, but I'm leaning over. Of course, this is one guy. My first two hours fishing with them ever, and I'm leaning off the side of the boat to pee, and oh, I fart. Like it just goes out, and I was like, oh, this is this is super <laughs> awkward. And now I have to look at you for the next six hours. And You're a nurse. Like, You're a nurse. These are just bodily functions. <laughs> Fine. All right. Question. Question number five is: What's the wildest mishap that you've ever had on the water? This was uh, this was recently. I. Um, I was fishing with my dog and my son and I had a big three treble hook top water bait that my dog went under the console. She hooked the, she hooked one treble hook into her paw and then ran the other one up into my leg. I went to, the, I had to go to the ER. It was a horrendous story. I'll keep it short, but I ended up in the ER and I'm the first person in the region who had a hook removed in the operating room ever and it's all thanks to my dog and it was a horrible, she got it into the ligament in between my tibia and fibula. <laughs> so it was I was fishing two days later though. <laughs> Ouchie. Yeah, I'm waiting to see how the scar heals so I can get a tattoo. How was the like so she got one in her paw too? Did that yeah. come out so okay? Luckily my son my my son was able to get that one out of her because she was she was thrashing, right? With this big long, it's this rapala um this new one, my one of the rapala reps down here gave it to me as a gift and I was like thanks a lot jason like it yeah hey she it's not the manufacturer's the fault yeah, exactly <laughs> it's the guy who gave it to me <laughs> christine <laughs> we sometimes joke about you know how like tim horn's coffee is always like caution hot like, do we yeah. have to put like caution sharp on our packages because you would think that that's just you know oh you, you would think Fishing can sometimes be frustrating. What are the steps to take to ensure you have a peaceful day on the water? So I'm really big into the the new room theory. We have, if you ever notice when you go into a new room, you kind of forget what you went in there for. Why we forget why we went into the kitchen when we go in there to get something. So if I'm in a place fishing and I find I'm having a bad go at it or the fish are just not cooperating or I need to change my frame of mind, I actually change spots. I just... I just change my my view. I change what I'm doing. I just move. And it's kind of like we use in therapy, that new room theory. If you don't like the space you're in, leave it. Um, and walking through a doorway can be healing, just like changing fishing spots. I need Great to change answer. fishing spots more often. <laughs> question, question number seven. Um, you talk about Charleston Lake a lot on your platform. I think that that's near where you live. It's where I live, yep. Yep. Um, is that your favorite water body? And if so, tell us why. If it's not, tell us about your favorite local Ontario water body. So it's uh it's really hard to narrow it down in this area because I'm 30 minutes from the St. Lawrence River. I'm 30 minutes from Lake Ontario and the Great Lakes and the Rideau Lake system. And the bass are getting bigger here now. There's more multi-species, but Charleston Lake is the prettiest lake in eastern Ontario. It's um it's what, you know, Lake of the Woods would be like. It feels very northern. There's huge bedrock, huge tall pine trees, um, and it's deep and clean. And we have everything in here except like musky and walleye, but everything else, it's nice. Cool. Uh, jumping rocks and beaches and islands. And it's, yeah. Oh, it's the nicest lake. Last question, Brad. Question number eight. Where can people, what would your recommendation be for people to find help if they're struggling 
in general with mental health? Every community now is having, they have mental health crisis lines um, and mental health, local mental health communities. It's, you know, the first step is to go see your doctor, um, talk to them about resources, talk to them about what you're feeling. You know, don't delay because sometimes it takes a bit of time to start feeling better. Um, you know, whether it's slow starting, things will always get worse before they get better, but just make the step, make the initial call and just start the process because the road can be long, but it's worth one taken. From well an said. expert, people. <laughs> All right. I've been there. <laughs> I put you on the spot, sort of, and I did yeah. ask you for a fishing joke to prepare. And you said that you were going to have your son come up with one because he's yep. a good joke guy. Yep. They're funny, this yeah. To, um, this is your chance to take your seat and tell us your best fishing joke. So what do you call a bass that, uh, sir, what do you call a fish that won't shut up? A large, a big mouth bass. I hold, I told that horrible. <laughs> so before we go, Christine, thank you again for being on the podcast today. Can you please tell our audience a little bit more to find out more about your program or to follow you and uh, how they could potentially even help? Yep. I'm uh, just look up mindful fishing. We're on Instagram. Um, I don't have a website yet. I, I, gosh, have to find the time for that but yeah it, it's you'll find me google my phone number is out there i i try to keep pretty accessible to people and if not mindful fishing at gmail.com email me anytime um yeah and love to see love to see people out on the water brad before we go well i think that you should say before we go because it's your idea oh, fair so. enough. well before we go christine um we'd like to donate 500 dollars cash so you can buy gas or equipment or whatever you need to support some first responders in the upcoming season or your event or whatever that yeah that'll cover the winter event that's so nice <laughs> and that's thanks in, in large part to our partnership with uh blind man brewing because we we get a small royalty on every can of five of diamonds pilsner and we're happy to reinvest it in this uh, awesome initiative. So that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. you so much for all of your hard work. Thank you for your time today. And um, I'm going to post some of those links to all of the things we talked about, like the book, the the program, your Instagram on the, the podcast page. But uh, until next time, listeners, please go um, subscribe or like or whatever you do to podcasts. I don't even know. Follow us somehow so that you know when we're on the next, when we're releasing our next episodes. And until next time, happy fishing. Bye.